0: On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about what is going to happen to students now that they're going to be missing or at least have disrupt- disruptions and distractions with more school stuff, either online or not at all. We're getting up to a lot of days and a lot of time, aren't we? This has got to be having some kind of impact, isn't it? Well, we'll discuss that one. We're also going to chat about a program called Hamilton Hub. Sorry, Hometown Hub. I did it already. Hometown Hub, which is gathering a bunch of different Hamilton local businesses to try and allow them to be exposed to people so we can support local business. We'll talk to the guy behind that one. And then we're going to talk about sports rules because every time a league tinkers with its rules, as the NHL has just done again, guaranteed it's going to make a new problem. We'll explain what the new rule is and why it's going to be a problem again. Stick with us
1: today on the Scott Radley show on 900 CHML.
0: Now that uh, we're going to be going after the Christmas break, we're going to be going to all online for a while with schools. Uh, My concern that I've expressed a number of times on this show about what kids are missing and the effect that all this missing school is having on them is ramping up even further. Um, I mean, I really believe that when You look at the loss of all the learning time, all the school in the spring, and I know they had stuff, but because grades were already locked in, there were a lot of kids that checked out. They weren't participating. And then you got the adaptation to the new world of school in the fall, which took a while. And now we're looking at a few more weeks of changes again when we get through these holidays. Uh, It just doesn't strike me that this is something that we should just be ignoring and saying, yeah, you know, they're fine. They'll catch up. I mean, students in this province are by law supposed to have 194 school days each school year. That's normal school days, not what we're having right now. You think they're going to get the equivalent of that this year? You think they got that last year? I want to bring in Vanessa Vicaria. You know her as the math guru. We've had her on the show many times. We love having her here. And as I learned today from looking at her website, not only great at math, but once upon a time. Figured she was going to be Mrs. Keanu Reeves. So she succeeded in one element, another one, not quite so much, but that's okay, Vanessa.
2: That's okay. He's still single. We There's still hope, everyone.
0: So you're saying there's a chance.
2: Well, he's not single. He's technically engaged, but you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever. We believe whatever. Well,
0: you couldn't, you couldn't marry into the matrix, but you can solve the matrix right. now because of your math skills. So that works out one way or the other.
2: Exactly. That will impress him. Well, I'm really glad to be on the show and Everything you kind of said as an intro is totally, you know, bang on and very, very concerning. And those are the same concerns that I definitely have as well. You know, I think it's so crazy. Well, if anyone can kind of go back in their mind to last March, I don't know what was happening with all of the boards, you know, across Ontario, but I know that our school board in Toronto was about to go on strike and everyone was so excited. And as soon as COVID hit and kids were out of school for a couple of weeks, they realized, you know what? We don't actually want to be out of school for this long. We need school. We need school to have purpose. Kids need school to feel like there's something you know, they're accountable to. Parents need kids to go to school so that they can learn and grow and progress. So I'm really, really hopeful that parents can remember what we learned and find a way to make sure that school continues, even if it's online, and that we don't just take this as an extended vacation.
0: Well, okay. And I think there are parents that will do that for sure. I think there are some parents who are right on top of things and will make sure that this opportunity is not just squandered, but I also think, and I have no idea what the percentage is. I wouldn't even guess at that, but I think there's an awful lot of parents too that don't meet their, their intentions may be right, Vanessa, but they don't have a clue where to even begin with this. And as a result, any time off what we've had already and any time off is just going to be lost time.
2: I totally agree. And I think this is actually, you know, we have seen so many great acts of kindness throughout the pandemic. And I would ask listeners, if you are a family or a parent who has a knack for teaching, who already homeschools their kids, who, you know, is able to be at home with the kids, doesn't hate math, (laughs) any of those things, if that happens to be you, it would be so helpful if you could reach out to any friends you have in need. Because... Whether it's you just saying, hey, listen, I've got the kids for a couple of days this week, I will teach them virtually, or you just saying, you know what, I can supervise them on Zoom, I can make sure they all sign on at 2pm every single day and do X, Y, or Z, and whatever it is will give so much relief to struggling parents. So I really think that the biggest thing we have to remember is routine is essential for kids. So. We need to find a way to still give them that sense of routine that they don't necessarily get when they're not in the classroom. So my first tip is if anyone out there can just form a group with two or three kids in the same class or same school, you're already ahead of the game because now you have your little online bubble, like, you know, don't get together in person, but you have your online bubble who you know you're accountable to. You guys can share homework together. You can do your lessons together. You have a little group that every day you know you're meeting with.
0: Well, and look, it's important. I'm not, I'm not in any way downplaying history or English or geography. I mean, those were the courses that I actually did well in in school, so I don't want to downplay those. Um, but it's particularly messy in math, all this time away and all these disruptions, uh, when in math, each concept builds on the one before, and theoretically, you're going into next year, and next year's teacher is supposed to be able to pick up where you left off. Where have we left off? I mean, how much, yeah. how, how can you possibly be learning math at this point? most people i mean some are natural but most people
2: no i think it's really tricky and the first thing is don't be hard on yourselves everyone is struggling and the other thing that really is a struggle is every teacher is different every school board is different we're all sort of learning at a different pace now which can be really really frustrating for parents definitely feeling anxious about what are we going to do next year but for now keep your eye on the prize right so the goal is now to throughout all of these interruptions to keep kids learning. And one of the best ways to do that is just to set up a routine to not give into the temptation to say, you know what, sure, you have just an extra week off, do whatever you want. You know, January 4th, school is supposed to start. So if they're not in the classroom, set up a daily routine for them. Even if it's three hours a day instead of six, set up what they're doing. And it can be playing an online math game. It can be reading a book so they're at least getting their literacy in but they do need a structure and they need a schedule. So, you know, and parents have to work, often they have to work, they have to work from home, they can't be babysitting the kids. So set up a schedule and really enforce it and stick to it and just tell, try and tell your kids, like this is not extended vacation. you're in school. And I honestly think you'll be surprised at how many of them don't resist. against so they, they want that structure, they just need to feel like there's a purpose, that there's a plan in place, and that they know where they're going at 9 a.m. when the quote unquote bell rings in the house.
1: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I
0: recognize that people may lose their minds at me even saying this, but I've seen no evidence yet that any school board or the ministry or anyone else is discussing the idea of holding kids back for a year because we are reaching a point when you say there's no possible way that a kid in grade 10, for example, could possibly have got everything they need to get to move on to grade 11, or it's very rare. Is there a point at which that becomes a realistic or smart thing to start talking about?
2: Okay, so that's an interesting question. I think just as a little optimistic note, things aren't as bad as I think they seem. Things aren't great. So I can say... For example, you know, in Toronto, many schools are in a quadmaster system, which means that a kid completes a math credit in two months instead of four or instead of eight. So that is quite condensed. And you're right. Are they getting every single thing? They're not. There are some units that are slightly glazed over. They don't do things fully in depth. Again, so much of this depends on the teacher and the school board. But I don't think it's a complete loss. You know, most kids are able to get kind of 75-ish percent of what they need, if not more. Again, it really, really depends on the school and the teacher and and the kid, right? Some kids really, really struggle with online learning. I think what's most important is to focus on what we can control. So I think holding kids back is a bit unrealistic and not necessary, if, though, if we really maintain that we are still in school. And by that, I mean, you know, if school is closed in person until January 21st, There is still school happening, right? There's still school happening online, and we have to find ways to encourage kids to take that as seriously. And I'll I'll put it out there. You know, often kids struggle in class. They might have a teacher that they don't get along with or that, you know, they don't really understand. And those kids have to find other ways to learn the material. And resources include, you know, getting a tutor. It includes uh, you know, sitting next to the really smart person in class, becoming best friends and trading snacks for them to explain the concepts <laughs> to you. It involves looking on the internet, going to the library, and getting out a, extra books. Sometimes we have to go the extra mile to learn what we're not learning in class, regardless of COVID. And that,
0: like Vanessa. Course, but Vanessa, no. let me jump in for one sec because the I, I agree with everything you've said. But generally, under almost every other circumstance, you could say, okay, we got to make sure that they have what they need. And to that end, we have exams to make sure at the end of this mm-hmm. that we can do some sort of check on them to make sure, okay, we didn't get everything taught, but we've, we can be pretty much confident they've learned this. We don't have exams now. So we've taken away a lot of the learning, and now we've taken away the checks and balances to make sure they've got what they need. That, to me, is the safety net that's gone.
2: Well, to be honest, so I personally love exams. I really like that. Even as a student, I liked that end of year wrap-up, that feeling of closure. But honestly, there's a lot of research that shows that exams aren't great for many students and that even though they know the course content, that it causes so much anxiety and stress or that their exam periods are too short and they're forced to cram, that it's not really a good measure of what kids know. So as long as they're being tested throughout the year, it isn't that big of a deal to be honest What's more important is the consistent testing and learning. So for example, you can have a kid who's completely failing and crams everything at the last minute and aces an exam, but it doesn't necessarily mean they know that much. That's true. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just going to, just to put a positive spin on things uh, again, I love exams. Personally, I like the whole ritual around it. I think it's great, but I know a lot of kids, you know, we have learning differences and don't do well. That being said, you're totally right that the learning loss is probably greater than a lot of parents know, and I only say that because you know most parents have no idea. Why would you have any idea what they're supposed to learn in like grade ten quadratics? You don't. I mean, I as exactly. A master, yeah, I know that a lot of places are skimming and they can't do like you know the ambiguous case of the sign law in grade eleven, which is this mysterious, exciting thing you do in trig. Most schools are just skipping that. Is it going to affect them? It is, and that's why I recommend finding ways to supplement your learning but if you can't and if you all you can do is go to online school and do your homework and do your tests and stay on top of things you're still doing great and you're still going to get somewhere i don't think it's i don't think there's cause for crazy panic and i also think that next september things will be different teachers all know what happened this year so they are going i don't know how they're going to do it what adjustments will be made but adjustments will be made
0: uh, you can go look up uh, all the details you need about The Math Guru if your kid maybe needs some help and this is not a paid ad. We love having Vanessa on and so uh-huh. I'm going to mention her website, themathguru.ca. If uh, if your kids are are truly struggling, there's there there can be some help out there and I'm sure there are others, uh but
2: yeah. That is one actually, of them. I can pitch in and just say that, you know, for everyone has different resources. For us we do private tutoring and we also encourage families to sign up in groups so that their kids can come together and split the cost. But the cool thing about COVID is so many free online resources have opened up. I know that there are a lot of high school students that have set up websites so that they can help younger kids for free or for a minimal cost. So do there there is stuff out there for every budget. So make sure you do kind of a look out there. And, and the good thing about COVID is everyone's online, so location doesn't really matter.
3: That is
0: Vanessa Vacari. And if you really want something as a treat, go look up afterwards uh, on YouTube her band... <laughs> Good night, sunrise. You can listen to some music while you're studying math. Vanessa, always love having you on. Thanks for doing this.
2: Thank you so much. Good luck, everyone.
1: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
2: Back in
1: late March,
0: I think, maybe early April, but around the start of the pandemic, I had my next guest on the show. Back then, there was concern with what was going on with business world. Not, not I don't mean business world by like big business. I mean, local stores and businesses that were trying to survive a lockdown, very much like we're in right now, very much like it. But at that time, uh, despite the concerns, I really think, and I stand to be corrected on this, but I really think there was some optimism that maybe things would sort themselves out before too long and we'd we'd be back to some kind of normal. Well, eight months later, nine months later, here we are. Same thing, very similar thing anyway. uh, Sam Holdridge is with a website, a group, an organization, a movement called Hometown Hub, which tries to promote local Hamilton businesses uh, in these times when so many of them are, you would think, um, hanging by their fingernails. Uh, Sam joins me now on the show. Sam, how are you tonight?
3: I'm great, Scott. How are you?
0: I am great. Thanks for coming back on. I know it's been uh, a while and I know you've, um, well, you've had eight months to figure this thing out or get a sense of, uh, of what this is all about. How, how has the idea worked?
3: I, I really, uh, I want to appreciate you having me back on and I appreciate the question and, and, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, eight months. That seems like eight years and also eight days <laughs> all at the same time. So it's been, it's been, um, it's been interesting. Uh, you know we've we've really kind of seen you know the the the, the struggles, but also the triumphs, and it's just it's a, it's been a really kind of cool and sad and all the emotions mixed together kind of evolving situation. You know we've when we first talked, hometown hub was um, an infant, for lack of a better word. I think we were in our first uh, iteration of the site, and um, we really kind of sat back and listened to how we could make it better from both the business community and Hamiltonians uh, alike, and we really kind of did our best to do that, and we launched a second version of Hometown Hub, and, um, you know, we really are making a big push to almost expand the definition of what a small business is. We really had to look hard in the mirror and figure out, you know, a small business is not just a mom and pop selling a, a good, a small business is also an artist. Uh, a small business is also a musician. A small business, uh, the, 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 the range of what the definition of a small business is, I think, is um, uh, we're trying to cast that umbrella and create, mm. uh, leave a myopic view and create more of a holistic view of, of really what that is and how we can support them.
0: Well, I will say this, uh, the second version or third, or I don't know how many versions you're up to now of the website. I mean, the website looks awesome. I mean, it really looks very, very cool. Has, has, did this thing grow? um, First of all, did it grow? Did did you, I, I think you got a lot more businesses involved than you had at the start, correct?
3: Yeah. So at the start, I mean, we were, I mean, kind of going around the clock to get a couple hundred on there. Um, and as it stands right now, we're going to launch some other sleeves of the site, one focused on artists, another focused on services. But I think I just looked at the number, and we're just south of 1,200 listings wow. that wow. are going to be on the site or are in the queue to be on the site. Yeah. Did, so you, really cool. did
0: you seek them out, or did they hear about it and come to you saying, please put me on there?
3: So we it's been a complete mix of both. So we really kind of, we looked at... Um, both angles of where, you know, a lot of business community reached out to us and said, hey, I heard about this hub. And, you know, honestly, it was a lot of the shopping. A lot of people really wanted to get involved in shopping, and we rebranded the local shopping. We rebranded it Amazon, and it was a term that really kind of caught on, and a lot of people, we just saw this incredible spike in traffic. And so it's been a mix of kind of saying, um, you know, who's out there uh, digitally that, that may need our help, to try to seek out and, and put on the hub. And then there's this whole other swath of the community that's just completely reached out to us and say, please put me on the hub. You know? Mm. So it's been a really cool mix uh, of both. I, I would
0: anybody say. say no?
3: No. I wouldn't think uh, so. I, I mean, I wouldn't,
0: to, I wouldn't understand why you would.
3: We're happy to take anybody down who doesn't want to be involved. Um, <laughs> we don't charge the businesses a fee. So I, I don't, I mean, again, uh, if you don't want to be on, we're happy to help, but no one said no to Having said that, uh, I assume that that's, uh, that's coming after this, <laughs> just Murphy's Law, you know, so but well, no, not, not, well, not as of yet.
0: Sam, you also said a moment ago, though, you said you've had a lot of triumphs and you've had some, some difficulties. I, I, would I be correct in guessing that uh, some who were involved have dropped off because they've gone out of business? I mean, we know there's been a bunch of companies in the city that have, that have failed. And so uh, there have to have been some that were involved.
3: Absolutely. You know, for sure, there's, there's, you know, those stories where you just can't make it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I mean, a business is, is, is a thing, it's an entity. And if it doesn't have what it needs to survive, it's just not going to happen. So um, while there have been, there's, there's definitely been a, a portion of businesses that just haven't made it. Um, but there's also been other portions uh, where the stories are so great about overcoming. And, you know, to, to to touch on that, Scott, that's why we launched a series called Humans of the Hub. So Humans of the Hub, we just wrapped our fourth episode. It's kind of telling the stories of small business owners or small companies, how they're doing this in just the story about them or how they're doing it in the pandemic so we really want to get that messaging out for so I think there's a lot of businesses that are teetering right now on uh, I might fold I might persevere so if we can do anything to even be a, a champion of a story that may help somebody in any way capacity this is uh, you know our directive is to do everything we can to try to help everybody out there that's kind of
1: on our masthead you're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Hometown Hub, it's hometownhub.ca, and it is a site where a ton, 1,200 apparently, local businesses, Hamilton area businesses are on. So you can go and if you want to support local business, you can find them in one reasonably one-stop shopping endeavor. And you can direct some of your resources there if you wish. Sam Holdridge is involved. He is behind this. Um, Sam, how, how dicey is the situation now that we're back in a lockdown for a lot of these? Have you heard from a lot of these businesses that are like, oh, crap. I mean, great that we got the website. Great that we're involved. But geez louise, we're right back where we started.
3: Absolutely, I think there's there's something to do with messaging. Though, I mean, to, to to your point, Scott, I think when you hear lockdown, I think a lot of people take the position that everything's closed. Uh, I one thing I will say about uh, Hamiltonians and and every small business in Hamilton is that they're they're fighters and they're innovative. Uh, you can still shop at these businesses, and I think that message is getting lost in a term like lockdown. So yes, there is a complete Sector of uh, of this businesses, whether it be in some type of like beauty or gym or restaurants, trying to figure out what to do. But a lot of ways you can still support and still shop small business. And each business is doing it differently. You know, some of them, <laughs> some of them, you're FaceTiming the owner and they're taking you around the shop and you can shop via Facetime with them. I mean, by hook or crook, they're trying to find ways to one facilitate uh, the sale of, of their products and figure a way to do that safely and, and also within the constraints of uh, the gray zone or, or lockdown. So yes, there is struggle, but I think also, I think there's a mindset we just need to adjust a little bit to say, hey, let's look at what lockdown really means. And there's ways that we can still be supportive without just saying everything's closed. That's it. Everything's done. So.
0: You, you must have heard from some people who have used the site. W- why are people using the site? Is it specifically or mostly because people want to support local businesses or is there another reason?
3: If there is, I'm not sure. I hope it's to support what I, what we've heard and our team has heard is that it, it's to support small business. And, you know, we want to uh, be a, a kind of a local trusted source uh, for that. You know, we want to be facilitating that message. So, of uh, you know, realistically, you know, there's a lot of questions out there, Scott, that we keep hearing about that, hey, I would have bought that if I knew where to buy it local. So we want to bridge that question. We want to bridge that gap and say, yeah, you can buy this at X, Y, and Z store, but you can also buy it at this local business here in Hamilton. So we really wanna do our best um, to answer that. And a lot of the chats and people shopping on or looking for things, those are the questions they're asking. Where can I find this locally? We wanna support local, how do I get this locally?
0: I would think that would be the toughest part because let's be honest, if you go to Amazon or Home Depot or Walmart or whatever online, it is so easy to find everything. And let's be honest, probably often at a lower price. And we were talking last night on the show about something else. And one of the real disadvantages local businesses have right now is that the advantage they have under normal circumstances is they may charge a little more because they don't have the volume but you'll get better customer service. That's hard to do now when a lot of the stores you can't go in necessarily and directly shop. It takes away some of their advantage. It makes it so you really have to go out of your way to want to shop there.
3: Well, that there's a lot in there that's true. When you just don't have the volume or the marketing budget or any of those kind of assets that a bigger thing does, I think as a community, There needs to be a portion of your mindset where I think you need to alleviate the pressure on yourself. There needs to be like, there are some things that are easier to get at Walmart, Home Depot, Amazon, but is there a portion of my dollar? If I'm looking at it holistically where I'm just, I could shift that dollar to support local where it's a mix. It's not an either or it's not, Hey, we only support local or we only shop here. I think if, if, if we just, if, has collectively looked at and says, let's look at how we appropriate our dollar. And there is some stuff that's going to go to some bigger box places, but there's also a large portion here we could spend local. If we invest now, we get to reap the benefits for a lot longer rather than uh, just omitting that and saying we're just going to shop big boxes easier. There is a little bit more effort now, but hey, there's a little bit more effort with a lot of things. I think a lot of people don't need to put the pressure on themselves. They only shop local, but how can you kind of uh, 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 take your dollar and spread it a little bit more around to local?
0: If if I understand correctly, we only have a few seconds left here. If I understand correctly, this was started because of the situation that we are facing. But what happens when COVID is done? At some point, COVID is going to be over. We trust. I'm touching wood right now. Um, When that happens, can, will this site continue or is this a gap filler for a specific need?
3: This site will always be here, and I think we're building on it, and I think while COVID may leave, there is a portion of how uh, we both interact with small business and how we've realized that a lot of that is the bedrock of our community. We want to champion that till the end of time, and we are always going to carry that torch for them, and this is not a gap filler. We want to be here to, to support a, a lot of different people in a lot of different ways, and we want to try to do that digitally, so that, that's our goal for sure.
0: It is, uh, it is well worth looking at. It's called Hometown Hub. I'm going to get the name right this time because I got it wrong the first time. Hometown Hub, and I'll say the website, hometownhub.ca. Go look it up. It's a very cool website, and I do think that you will probably see some things on there you didn't realize were in town. And I'll, uh, Sam, I'll say this as we run. Uh, before my show today, I was on there, and I made the horrendous mistake because I hadn't eaten dinner yet of going on to some of the restaurants <laughs> do and that, looking man. at some of the food. <laughs> And um, I'm almost dying now because uh, of some of the pictures I saw. Anyway, hometownhub.ca. I'm sure there's still a chance if you need to get a Christmas gift for someone yeah. to get something. Still, Sam Holdrich, really appreciate you coming on and joining me again really tonight. Thanks for doing you having
3: this. Me. Everything you're doing, too. I'm a huge fan, and I really appreciate everything you're doing. And I hope you and yours have a very safe holiday season. I really appreciate you having me on.
0: Thanks so much. You and all the store owners as well. Let's uh, try and keep all those Hamilton businesses Absolutely. going.
1: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Steve Foxcroft, longtime sports guy. uh, Once upon a time, and many people know this, many don't, once upon a time used to host a show with Bubba O'Neill in Burlington, way, way, way back in the day. That's when when Steve Foxcroft really cut his teeth in sports, correct?
4: That is correct. That goes back a long time ago for sure. Bubba and I. Uh, got started doing a show out in Burlington, Oakville, Waterdown, Flamborough Carlisle. We were a big deal out there, Scott.
0: I, I, listen, I know that I, I've, I have heard stories of that now, mostly from Bubba telling me about <laughs> how yeah, big a deal you guys course. were, but I believe it. I believe it. I've seen video. Uh, let me ask you a question, Steve. You, um, and this is interesting cause you, you come from a long line of, um, officials and people involved in rules in various sports. The NHL has announced a change to its offside rule now. So the rule now is that if your skate is over the line, but not necessarily touching the ice, you can still now be considered onside because we've seen this in the past where they've slowed the thing down and the guy's skate was a millimeter off the ice and therefore a goal gets waved off. But I'm looking at this saying, Steve, I'm not sure this is going to make it any less confusing because now rather than being an up and down thing about whether there's air between the bottom of his blade and the ice, we're going to say vertically, was he over the blue line or not over the blue line by a millimeter? My question is this to you, how come... No sport can ever make its rules less complicated. There is some law that says every time we tweak a rule, we have to make things 10 times more complicated and create a Pandora's box of problems we never anticipated, but guaranteed will now exist.
4: Yeah. So I think it comes from people justifying their position because every, like all these people cycle through, right? Every few years, there's a new person in the job and they got to go, oh, let me come up with something that justifies that I'm doing something. A lot of these sports, you don't need many changes, but when a change usually does occur and it's off the wall, it's normally because something off the wall has happened somewhere in the world and they have to write a rule to justify it or correct it or to prevent it from happening again. And this one in particular, I find weird. It's kind of, it's like the uh, pylon cam in football that, nbc uses and cbs and fox and all them espn are we going to have a separate camera angle now embedded in the boards because if you look from overhead are you going to be able to tell whether the skates on off the ice or so on or you are you going to look from overhead or are you going to look across the ice through the boards? how are they going to how are they going to do that and well you'd have, have to look sometimes steve you'd have to look through like a body
0: that. Sometimes you'd have to look through another body to see a skate because there's going to be a guy, even if you put a camera in the boards, there's going to be someone blocking your view, which is exactly my point. So, okay, so we change this rule. We make it a different interpretation, but you're going to end up guaranteed with the exact same problems of, you know, just razor thin margins that we have to zoom in and slow down. Why is it, and I've argued this for a long, long time, why is it that we are okay with some mistakes among the athletes, but with officials, we demand absolute perfection. And my, my argument has been with this, with all of these things. I hate instant replay. I hate instant replay. But if you're going to insist on instant replay, you give the officials or whomever is in the box or the booth or whomever, you get 10 seconds, 15 seconds to look at it and if you can't distinguish that there is that the r- official has made a glaring error within those 15 seconds we go with the call on the field rather than these 5 minute things with 72 angles and slowing it down to 4 million frames a second and all this stuff like just it, w- what's the problem
4: you know dad always told us as referees and of course he was uh, he's got a quite a long resume of uh, top notch officiating eagles You're asked to be perfect and then improve. And with the replay, when you go to those replays and break it down to the single frame, it really goes to show you how good these officials in all sports are to begin with. Like like you said, it takes them four minutes, break it down frame by frame, and then it still may be close. And I agree that they should, I don't even think they should use slow-mo then should watch it at normal speed. Normal speed, watch it once or twice, maybe a different angle, and then make a decision and move on.
0: Weren't these rules, the instant replay and everything, in each case, in, in every case, I think, they were initially brought in to avoid, to prevent against the egregious error that an official makes? For example, and some people will remember this 1980. Five World Series, the one the Jays should have been in had they not blown the lead to Kansas City. Uh, the umpire blows it. George Orta is called safe at first base. He was out by a mile. St. Louis goes on to win. Kansas City should have won that one. Egregious call that if you had watched one replay, that thing gets sorted out. Um, the thing with the perfect game with the Detroit Tigers pitcher a few years ago. You just have to watch one replay at regular speed and you go, oh yeah, you know what? He missed that one. Those are the things that I thought instant replay were supposed to break down, not things that no human official, even with 2020 vision could possibly see because it's so minute that, that, that to me is, is making a mockery of the whole thing.
4: It's almost like the one, so what you're describing is almost like the ones they don't even need replay. It's like on the way over to the replay camera, the guy knows it, everybody knows it. Right, um, right. And you do it, you just know, like that was Joe West, the umpire who took away the perfect game. Or how about the New Orleans Saints a few years ago in the Rams, that, that pass interference call when the guy got there before and absolutely yep. annihilated the receiver and it took them, uh, took away a trip to the Super
0: Bowl. Yep. Yeah, and and I like I I as much as I hate instant replay, I would almost be of the I would almost be willing to say instant replay for everything that you want. Every call can be subject to instant replay, but there is a 15 second max view. And if you can't see an egregious blown call in that time, then it was not egregious enough that we have to overturn this and we're going to go with the call on the field.
4: I'll give you one that brother Dave and I have used. We both refereed uh, different sports, him in the CFL, and me with basketball at different levels. Um, what we'll do is, and I shouldn't say this because we're not supposed to do it, but I'm going to say it. Anyways, because I'm on the Scott Radley show, I can say it. Say anything you want. We'll huddle with our, We'll huddle with our other officials. But we'll turn ourselves up and say, look, you stand there. I'm going to watch the jumbotron in the arena, the scoreboard, who will be replaying it. And Dave will do this sometimes, too. And, again, I don't want to get him in trouble. But he'll huddle, pretend to be huddling, talking things over, and he'll be looking at the jumbotron watching the replay to find something that might be, like you say, egregious. And then you get the call correct. You don't have to go through different things. Another thing they do in some sports now, and I I know they do this in the NFL. I swear they do. And same with the CFL. They all have these command centers, right? Well, you can tell that sometimes when they're getting together, someone's speaking in their ear, giving them the correct information. Like, no, the ball came out first. It should be a fumble. No, he was down. No, put it on the 45-yard line, not the 43-yard line. I'm not going to say that I know that this happens for a fact, but I know this happens for a fact.
0: Well, especially when you see one of the ones I've always been sort of puzzled by is, and not really, because again, it's exactly what you're talking about, I think. But when they pick up a flag and say, no, there was no foul on the play. Look, if you saw it and threw a flag initially, you obviously believed there was a foul. So it's got to be someone up in the booth who has called down to the guy and said, no, 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 that was okay. Don't worry to pick it up. And so uh, look, and that's fine. That's fine because those are the ones, as I say, those are the things to me that an instant replay has some value and some merit for. You know, the offside one that we're talking about, the offside rule in the NHL came in, was brought in because I'm positive that it was a Colorado avalanche game. And there was a guy who was so offside because he had gone in deep and the puck had come out. And this guy was so far offside that the linesman couldn't even see him because he was so far. I mean, it wasn't like he was near the line. And so when they brought the puck back in, the guy was like 25 feet offside. And they said, okay, there's a super egregious one. That's where you have instant replay. But of course, everything, Steve, and this is where we started this everything, always, any rule you bring in, automatically is going to lead to 15 variations and permutations and subsections and exemptions and things we didn't anticipate. And, you know, go back to Brett Hull with his foot in the crease against the Buffalo Sabres for the Dallas Stars in 1999. I mean, there's always, it always happens that when you bring in a rule, you're bringing in headaches you never anticipated.
4: Now that, that just, a little bit because I'm a huge buffalo Sabres fan and I was at that game as I've been at every playoff game since then too which there hasn't been to many' of, there hasn't been many <laughs> I've been to them all but that one was again that was a tough one and part of the problem there was the the Zamboni doors flung open and all the media stormed the ice and I have a, I sort of always have suspected that they didn't really have time to do anything with it because of the flood of media that came onto the ice, and, and it was, oh, that was a heartbreaker, especially, I have a picture of it, too, that's still a photo showing his foot in the crease.
0: Yeah, are and you going to bring all here, the players?
4: The rule disappears.
0: <laughs> yeah, are you going to bring all the players back on the ice and make them get dressed again, and after celebrating and dancing around and say, oh, sorry, 10 minutes later, sorry, no goal. Uh, yeah, I don't and think all so. And all the right. media off the ice. Yeah, no kidding. Back up to the press box. Uh, Let me ask you something else before we got a few more minutes here. I want to ask you about this. Um, On the weekend, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was hilarious that in the NFL, the New York Jets, in the most jetsy thing that they could possibly jet, have a line on the first overall draft pick. They can't win a game all year. They look like they're going to get the first overall pick. They may get the quarterback that they need, although they thought they had that once upon a time not long ago with Sam Darnold. And they go ahead and they end up winning a game, which looks like it may screw them out of that position now. Truth, truth serum injecting here, Steve, if you are the coach or general manager of the New York Jets or any other team that's in their position, are you really wanting to win or are you tanking to make sure you get that spot?
4: I think it goes, you know how they say in business and in sports it's from the top down? Well, I think in instances like this, it's, Starts and ends at the top. So the owner, uh, Woody Johnson, I think he wanted them to lose. But everyone else, I think, is you can't take away that competitive spirit because most of them won't be around by the time if they got Lawrence Phillips. By the time he matures, realistically, how many people will still be on the roster by the time Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, make the playoffs? So I think those players are sitting there going. No, I'm competitive, and I want to win. And Frank Gore, look at him. He was the guy who kind of won the game for them, and he's been around forever.
0: Uh, By the way, Woody Johnson, is there a more unfortunate name for an owner in all of sports? Anyway, we move along. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, not Lawrence Phillips. Lawrence Phillips. If they get Lawrence Phillips. Now, the Jets drafting Lawrence Phillips... That would be a Jets thing to do too, because I think he's been out of the league now for about twenty years.
4: That's right, I said the wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I said the wrong guy. That's okay. Trevor yeah, Lawrence it's I the told same you thing. Jets thing there. you
0: uh, You know, what, know other teams have what, drafted I,
4: dead guys. I'm distracted because you threw me off when you were talking about the prime ministers and our, on our lead-in. In grade seven, I had to remember all the prime ministers for Canada. Thankfully, it was only in grade seven, but. That threw me out ever since you did that on our lead. And I've been thinking about the prime minister in <laughs> Canada. And how I, I had to remember them all sequentially uh, back in grade seven. So that's probably why I messed up the name.
0: You know, I, 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 I like to believe I would, I, I do believe that if I was in that position, I would want to do the honorable thing and play hard. And if I win, I win and try and win games and not tank. And I would point to, for example, the Detroit Red Wings, who completely went into the pooper this year and then didn't win the NHL draft lottery and ended up not getting close to the first overall pick and say, see, there's no upside to it necessarily. However, because the NFL doesn't have a draft lottery and because if you finish with the worst records, you do get the first overall pick. And there is a guy considered to be a franchise quarterback. My goodness, Steve, it makes it. I, I, I like to believe that I would do the honorable thing. I can't promise you that I would if I was in that position.
4: I'd be playing hard. I'd be lined up right beside you saying, Scott, let's go out and win this game. Because that's what people are going to remember more so, right? They but they remember the 72 Dolphins being undefeated. Well, they'll remember, oh, yeah, you were on the team that you couldn't even win a game. That would be the legacy, not, not oh, you guys tank so you get the number one pick.
0: But yeah, now now you're just hoping the Jacksonville somehow finds a way to win one of their remaining two games just to okay. Now we got our win and we also get our first overall pick. But uh, I, you know, knowing the Jets, they're it is amazing watching some of the Monday night game last night. Which, by the way, uh, Cincinnati, how where Pittsburgh has gone because they've just collapsed. But we said the Jets and cincinnati and there's probably one or two other teams how is it that you can go gener and the lions detroit lions how can you go generations and not finding a way to get your team to be good even once or twice in there that they are just always awful and they may have a year yeah, when good. they get to 500 but then right back to losing again it's stunning that you can have this kind of failure over and over
4: and over that's right and is it the top again? Do you wonder, have they hired the wrong GMs? Have they hired the wrong coaches? Have they hired the wrong people to get the players in there? Because the system is set up to kind of you recycle. And, you know, I remember that with the Jays. Remember back in the late 80s when the Jays were good, it was against Kansas City. And then all those years go by, the Jays get good again, and who did we play in the playoffs? Kansas City.
0: Yeah, but with you look at like say the Jets or even the Bengals. Now I know that the Bengals were a little better for a while there, but you've changed the GMs, you've changed the coaches, you've changed the players and the result is always the same. And that's where you look at it and you go, "Man, what what is it that this you would think just by dumb luck that something would break your way and something would go right at some point and you would say, "Look, we just we stumbled onto a bunch of players who had a career year.
4: But they don't even do that. No, they don't. That's right. They are. They are. Um, they were kind of trying to be the Edmonton Oilers there for a while too. Remember, Edmonton had all those number one picks, and then finally they're getting good again. But still, they might not have a ways to go. Yet, they haven't shown it in the
1: playoffs.
0: It is. Uh... You know what? If anyone ever says to me that your radio show is the New York Jets of radio, I may just retire that day. Um, Steve That's Foxcroft, a
4: good
0: thing. Yeah, it's just something to keep in mind. Anyone who calls in and says that 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 may be the cue for me to take a take a bolt. Uh, Steve Foxcroft, always appreciate you coming on. Have a merry Christmas. Thanks for the time today.
4: Appreciate it. Have a good holiday season, Scott.
1: Good to good to talk. The Scott Radley Show weekday evenings from six to eight on nine hundred CHML.